0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand.
1: It's the Score North Twin Show. Yeah, it was. It was a good. Uh, it was a very good road trip for us. Um, you know, we came into today's game with a chance to have a good winning trip, and you know, you get some positive,
2: good positive feelings leaving. Uh, you know, getting off the road and, and getting back home. And Jake went out there and just again uh, did something similar to what he's done
1: the entire uh, the entire year for us.
3: All right, score North Twin Show line change time. Zolgad in, Rami out, Wetmore and Manny Hill, of course, uh, still here until two o'clock when we uh, when we transition to Purple Daily. Rocco talking about the road trip. All right, Derek, uh, summarize hour one for me. And tell oh and tell me so our guy Jake DePue came on and it sounds it sounds like and I love Jake but it sounds like he invoked my name in panic here understand I'm not panicked at all this, this is plan. a really good this is a really good team now do I think that there has to be moves made with the opportunity here absolutely but I want to make it clear for the record I am not predicting their demise I am not saying that oh my god they're gonna blow the division I don't think they are. And I think that offensively, this is a juggernaut. An absolute juggernaut. Um, do certain certain areas on the pitching staff need to be paid attention to? Yes. Is that unusual?
1: No. A lot of teams have that. I
3: just want to make this clear, though, that that the Zolgad panic button is not being hit here. This is very different. This is room for improvement button, which everybody, I think, no, if you just take a step <laughs> back, probably agrees. He, is necessary. This guy. This is not a panic. (laughs) It's very unfair to characterize my assessment of this team as saying it's falling apart. Yeah. They won a series in Detroit. Guess what? Life is good. That's perfect. Yep. Detroit stinks. It'd be nice to take three, but a series is the goal. 13. On the road.
1: Series win of the season, and that's not for nothing. So you asked me to summarize our one. I, I love that he just invented a button, by the way, Manny Hill. I was just
2: going to say we the, should find like a room for improvement we should, button. We should find a Zolgad non panic. Alarm. Yeah,
1: I'm not panicked. I'm ready to panic if you need me to panic, but I'm not but I'm panicked not, no, right now. No, it's just unfair.
3: Everybody assumes if I talk about a team's deficiency that I'm saying that team is screwed. They're not screwed. <laughs> they're they offensive they're offensively un be-
2: believable. This is, a championship. this is a yeah. World Series winning offense. He was the Definitely.
1: first to coin them the Golden State Warriors, and you're yeah. f- six weeks later, or whatever the heck it is, you're 100% right. Yeah, they just hit threes. This is the Golden State Warriors. bombers instead of threes. It's the, same, th- it's the same thing. So, to summarize our one as succinctly as I can, we were streaming to our friends on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. And we're also on these airwaves and at live.scorenorth.com. And some people are going to listen to it after the fact on the Score North mobile app or wherever they find their podcast. So a lot of ways that you could have heard our 1, Judd. But since you're on a bit of a time crunch, I will give you the three kind of big hitters from our 1. Okay. First, we talked about how this offense is a juggernaut. I know you heard this stack because we had a meeting together earlier. The Twins' offense, after yesterday's explosion, have a 5.15 slugging percentage. Harmon Killebrew retired with a 5.09 slugging percentage. So top to bottom, this offense is great. They're the world-beating twins. We already knew that. So that was the first segment. Then we talked with Jake DePew, who sounded the alarms on the bullpen, and how Jake studies the minor leagues very closely, and with injury to guys like Fernando Romero and Brewster Uh, I should say injuries for Gratterall, ineffectiveness for Romero, if you want to call it that. Right. They don't have that, you know firemen ready to rock in the minor leagues, ready to come up. Mm -hmm. Ryan Eads gets the call, does a job over the weekend. It's good, but his point is they don't have someone to pair with Taylor Rogers that's ready to pop right now. So he was basically just saying, go make a move for the bullpen. And all right, that's that's fine. It was a, it was a bit of a panicked call, but he makes some sound points. Um, and he did say that you are his idol. So I think he was just buttering you up, maybe.
3: I got a tweet, trying though, to, immediately be being sure like, should... Zolgad's bringing your show down. I want to make it clear. If I'm going to bring the show down, I will It'll tell you. It'll be on the you, mic, I will it. tell you. I will say it into the mic, and I will bring the show down. This is not it.
1: This is not the panic. Yeah, I'm ready to, to panic. I'm not quite panic, but it could be panic time soon. Is all I'm to saying. To put it
3: as simple as possible, too much is being asked right now of Blake yeah. Parker and a few other people. And Ryan people. Harper. Yes, like, like, but yeah, that's fair that's, to say.
1: Right. That's, and they
3: and they're not dumb. They know that.
1: So the last thing that we talked about, and we don't have to spend a ton more time on this because we'll have weeks to get into this. The all-star balloting. The first vote update is out. Jorge Polanco leads shortstops. Everybody else got screwed. Explain the system. The Twins are getting hosed.
3: Explain the new system to us. Sure. So
1: in a nutshell, they're trying to be uh, election-based. For some reason, they want to invoke the comparison to elections. And in this case, it's fan votes for the first wave of it. And at every position across the board, position players, I should say, top three are going to be given a final vote. Whenever that deadline hits, okay, Top three DHs, top three second basemen, on and on and on. They go to a final vote then for the fans. Outfielders, it's a little different. They're position agnostic, and they just say top nine. So Jorge Polanco is leading in his category for shortstops, as well he should be. Every other Twins player got screwed. They all got hosed. Jason Castro's third on the ballot. Mitch Garver's not on the ballot. Williams-Ostadillo, for some reason, is not on it. Get him in the International League All-Star game, for crying out loud. After that, uh Nelson Cruz is on the short list. Jonathan Scope is fourth outside looking in. Rosario is on the outfielder top 9, but Max Kepler and Byron Buxton are on the outside looking in just okay. barely. So, and
3: and where is uh, CJ Cron?
1: CJ Cron is second among American League first baseman behind that muscle-bound masher in New York, Luke Voigt. So, here we go. Or, yeah. Big the big market's help. No doubt about it. Obviously, yeah, of course. Tommy Lastella is your leading So who deserves uh, to go?
3: Well, and and I'm not even saying start. Polanco should start, but beyond that, Rosario
1: deserves to how go. How much time do you Polanco have? Polanco
3: deserves, to, but let's let's be let's be fair and not just okay. stuff this thing with twins. Jorge, Odo has to go.
1: Uh, we don't call him Odo on this show, Judd. We call him American League ERA leader, Jake Odorizzi. One,
3: one of the greatest turnarounds up to this point. That yeah. and I started watching this team in '78. Yeah. One of the greatest one season turnarounds by any player I've seen in this franchise history. One season turnaround. I can't
1: yeah. think. Nothing comes to mind in in terms of, he was okay last year. I mean, I don't yeah. think he was disastrous. I know he made people nervous, but it was like, it was okay. I was disappointed. Yeah. Oh, disappointed is a fair word. I think ALERA leader, Jake Odorizzi, would use the same word mm-hmm. to describe his 2018 season. But in terms of year-to-year turnaround, I mean, come on. This guy, it doesn't look like he overpowers you. Like He's just sort of calm. He's built... He's he's bigger than me. I've stood shoulder to shoulder with him, but he like he kind of he looks like me. Do you know what I mean? He's Maddox he's, built, right? He's kind of just diminutive. He doesn't have the overpowering shoulders. He's just sort of standing out there Hold and low on key on the mound. He looks he looks like maddox in his playing
3: days from a physical stature point but i'll find out if that's accurate
1: and it doesn't look at any point point. correct me if i'm wrong either of you two but i watch a jaco to Rizzi start and i know what he's trying to do he's trying to get up with the fastball he's trying to change the eye level with the split change whatever that is and keep him off balance with some secondary stuff but i don't ever get the sense boy this guy's mowing him down he's boy he's blowing away they got no shot today and then i look up and he's coming out for the seventh inning, calmly walking off the mound with nine strikeouts, one hits, and no earned runs. And I'm just, like,
2: what? He, he just seems to have so much better command of his entire arsenal. They're eating out of year.
1: the palm of his hand. Yep. And then he gets off the mound after six, seven innings, whatever it is. And he's like, okay, that's good enough for today. Hand it over to the bullpen. Didn't break a sweat. I'm good. This is fine. He's not going to start the All-Star Game, Judges, because we know how these things work. But he's got a case. Oh, yes. I mean... Most definitely has a case. So, I mean, let's let's circle back on ALERA leader Jake Rizzi. but just to answer your question in full, who should go? Jorge Polanco should go. Yep. CJ Crone should go. Mm-hmm. Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, and Eddie Rosario all have a case. I think they could get two of those guys in. I think Rosario should go. Um, I think Buxton's having a better season would, than Rosario.
3: I want to see Buxton play as a fan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He and if you're the changed. manager? If I'm the Twins, though... I don't want Buxton. I don't think I want Buxton <laughs> yeah, there because right. if I'm the Twins, I'm like, dude,
3: this is the All-Star game, national TV.
1: He's gonna national crash into like, center field wall. Yeah, of the Jake.
3: Sure as sure as I wake up in the morning, you are going to crash into <laughs> that wall doing something.
1: Well, he's gonna I, put a Torrey Hunter impression on back in the uh, Milwaukee All-Star game, right? Take him back from Barry Bonds. I was Sweet. just gonna say I would want to see
2: <laughs> Buxton in the All-Star game make one great catch at the wall and then just say okay Byron you're done get him out of
1: you're done no more
3: thanks
2: a lot for playing yeah.
1: yeah i mean so he deserves at least consideration if he's not in that top 9 vote though um that that the benches and reserves i think ours I'd have to go back and look this up, but they're maybe still picked by managers and a coaching staff. They're trying, I think trying to remove some of the pressure of you got to pick your own guy. It's like if Alex Cora gets to pick the reserves. He kind of has to pick Jackie Bradley jr. Right. Yeah. Like, it just... Have you seen his average, though? Well, it doesn't matter. It's, that's I your I can guy. make the decision. Yeah, that's no, your guy. And, and that like Jim Leland was going to have to take the the two through seven hitters of the Tigers if he had the pick. So my point is just that they're trying to give it to the fans, they're trying to drive web traffic, and they are trying to give a sense of, of sort of fairness here. If you're talking fairness, we should be looking at five, six Twins All-Star except, considerations. Except there's
3: one flaw there. If that's the case, then we can't sit here in the Midwest at selection time and pound the desk and talk about how we got screwed by that because we're small market and the Yankees are sending everybody in the Red Sox. It's not fair. And we like to complain about that Mm -hmm. and write about that. So, yeah, five or six guys go. That's great. That's great fun. But, man, if three go, can we make a case how we got bleeped by baseball again? Don't you think in in the case of Boston
2: too, (laughs) that Alex Cora would want to have Somebody like Byron Buxton in his oh he knows at his disposal he knows firsthand how nice it, that is you know what I mean just with what oh, he yeah. does with the glove and you know if you need if it's a tie game in the bottom of the eighth inning or yep. top of the eighth inning or whichever side the American League is going to be hitting on yeah I mean you want a pinch runner right. <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean, oh, he's he's a nightmare from first right on there, an right? infield
3: single. <laughs> he, he is a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. And oh. and in that ballpark in Detroit, it's perfect because there's so much room. There is so much room.
1: You mean over the weekend? Yes. Okay. Watching I you him meant All-Star game. Oh no, no. Yeah.
3: Watching watching Byron Buxton play center in Comerica Park is great fun because he can cover and that's the amazing thing. He covers it all. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Put any other, aside from uh, perhaps uh, Kiermaier of Tampa Bay, put any other human center fielder out there and watch the ball going through the gap, go all the way to the wall. Yep. And you watch this guy and he gets to everything. So my at point, least cuts it off.
1: Yeah, and he is there he I, I wrote this today. He's my if I were picking a twins MVP, it's Buxton. It's hard to shake that sentiment for me just because mm. you watch how he impacts it like that. Mm. And we can do battle about that later. But just let me make the point that Buxton is peerless in center field. So I think you can make the case if you're looking to get itchy about the first vote, it's it's hard to get up update or upset about the first vote. But if you want to yep. The people who got screwed, I think you'd say, either Max Kepler or Byron Buxton, possibly both, depending on your leanings. Uh, Nelson Cruz is third among DHs. Uh, no, a pretty he, good player. Yeah, I missed some pretty time though too. Yeah, I, I can
3: else. I can get on board with that one not right. being as simple as some of the other but ones.
1: But he'll be buoyed by the fact that he already has a big name. He's not Jorge Polanco coming onto the scene. Sure. He's Nelson Cruz. The boomstick. Everybody knows him. And then they see he's having a good year in Minnesota. That's nice. The guy who really got screwed and who we can get mad about and upset about and there should be a write-in campaign, Mitch Garver not being in the top He's not 10. on the ballot, right? Well, write him in then. 250,000 people um, need to write I in believe, Mitch Garver's I name believe to if start you start the All-Star game.
3: I believe, and this would go back 30-plus years or so, I believe the last player to get a write-in uh, to the All-Star game was in the mid-70s, Steve Garvey. Okay. As a young player. <laughs> so <laughs> right. that, so there
1: are your odds. It's not unprecedented, Manny it's, So it's there amazing. are your odds of
3: Mitch Garver being written in well,
1: to the All-Star game want, ballot. You want some real odds? Because you're, you're exactly right. You pull up the ballot on MLB.com. And you know, if you go to MLB.com, it's really easy to find their All-Star ballot. It's sponsored by Google. So you'd imagine, yeah, they're probably going to get some friendly search help. This month, as you try to find that page, it won't be hard. Catcher. <laughs> I'll just give you the top three because this is just going to be a tough nut to crack. Jason Castro narrowly holding on to his spot, by the way. So all jokes aside, if you're going to vote for a catcher, maybe it's got to be Castro to get him in there. He's got he's knocking on the door of 200,000 votes. That After case. that. Uh, nope, that's Castro okay. for three. Then James McCann at 289.00. Um is in second place. First place is a guy who plays in a little market and hits dingers. Gary Sanchez of the uh, New York yeah. Yankees has seven hundred and thirty-seven thousand votes. Yeah, uh, that's uh, sorry, seven hundred thirty-seven K. Obviously, that's a that's a huge hill to climb. I don't, uh, boys. I don't think Mitch Garver's pulling down that top spot in the AL All Star voting. He would just need to crack top you three to get in there. Vasquez is five to answer your question, man. You know what?
3: Catchers need rest. If I I'm say the, give Mitch Garvin a week off.
1: If I'm the Twins,
3: go home, mm-hmm. go on a fishing boat, do what you do, Jason. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Mitch, do what you do. Enjoy yourself. Rest so, those legs. I don't want you at the All right, Star game. you are right, you're right.
1: I've got a new. I've got a new. And the only thing is, like, this is going to help a guy for his contract if he gets to say I'm an All Star. But I, yeah. I think the Twins are bigger than that. I think they'll look past that. Um, <laughs> well, hey, I know. <laughs> I realize it, but after maybe after the stoppage that you're predicting is is, uh, there's going to be some benevolence all around in the baseball market. If what you're advocating for, which is catcher rest, one, you don't want Williams-Estadio in the International League All-Star game, so (laughs) get that thought out of your head. And then, if you're the Twins, not only would you not launch a Mitch Garver write-in campaign for the All-Star, you would also... Probably start the Astros-Robinson-Chirinos vote. Get out the vote for Robinson-Chirinos, who's currently about 1,500 votes shy of Jason Castro. Bump Castro out of that top three so it's not even up to a final vote. He's just going home. I want my catchers at home. I, uh, he's, got, he's got a place in fresh. Houston, maybe. Just go enjoy your All-Star break. We'll see you in the second week of July. Fully refreshed and charged and, up, ready to go for the second half.
3: And if I'm the Twins, here's my platform. You can't pick one catcher because we've got two, if not three at times, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so don't do that to us because it wouldn't be fair to the guy who gets left out. Leave them both out. Thank you very much.
1: Call Manfred.
3: Oh, like my first baseman. I don't really give a damn cuz he can go there first and base is easy, stand at right? first base and catch some
1: throws and hit some dingers. Leave my catchers alone. You know what they should do, guys? And I don't care. Like I love watching the All-Star game. It's one of the one of the baseball games in the year where I sort of feel like I get to turn my brain off. That's... You know what I mean? Like I tell my we always try to take a trip uh, over All Star Break because sure. baseball's a long season, so we'll go up to Duluth or something like that. But I'm always trying to get to a sports bar so I can watch the game because it's an enjoyable game. Mm-hmm. You see stars. I don't necessarily even have the volume up or hear the commentary. I just get to see stars
2: be stars. It's the best. It's the best game of the Big Four.
1: It's it's oh, oh yeah because the, like, the, the other three should three be abolished. Yeah, <laughs> the other three should be killed. <laughs> the MLB immediately. the All Star game's actually fun, but yeah. I get where Judd's coming from. So since the twins do this thing now where they have some optional batting practice days or sometimes in day game, they'll just scrap it. It's a show and go get to the park, get ready to go for seven, 10 first pitch. I don't want to see you taking BP. I think that they save some of those bullets in the first half. So don't, don't vote any twins into the All Star game. Give them the game off. Get them off their feet. It's the era of rest and recovery, right? Absolutely. Just let the home run derby be only Minnesota Twins, American oh, League and National oh, League. You've lost me completely. You just pick the top eight guys and say, go get them. Speaking of events,
3: go, speaking of go, events get them, that boys. I would like to abolish, the home run derbies at the top of that list. I hate the home run derby. They've worked on it, and I know they've sped it up it's a fun. little bit. Some years it's fun. I've never, I you know what?
1: I can think of a couple that are memorable. I think it's,
3: I think it's more fun now because it goes quicker, but that's not a compelling case for me to say I enjoy it. Uh, but I mean, I'm not saying you're you're wrong it should with only your be opinion. Twins. I just don't enjoy <laughs> it, should, it.
1: It should be actually just put the twins line. I can't just narrow it down to eight. So give me one through nine. It's just twins players. Here's ten pitches, ten outs. Hit as many bombas as so you can. So seriously,
3: who who do you take then?
1: For Crew, twins,
3: Cruz. If if it's up to you, and, and it can be, let's say, let's say I give you From five, five selections. Yes,
1: Cruz, Cruz, Crone, Crone, Yep, Eddie, Rosario, Mitch Garver, and uh, Miguel. I was going to say, do you take Miguel Canelo? I mean, well, I don't want somebody w- to strike out in a home run derby, but nice cheap shot. It would be if, it would be great fun if you're just talking top of the charts power. Yeah, it's it's probably him. You know the the one that I always thought was Do you know funny, who's sneaky? Buxton. Yeah, but I I mean on command though. Oh, like I don't Miguel know. Miguel can hit him on command. That, you watch that dude take batting practice, it's absurd.
3: That home run that Byron hit in Cleveland, which went I think oh. more than halfway up the left field bleachers, I that guess. wasn't a nice little home. That was a, that was a uh, Bambino type shot. They measured it at runs, 450.
2: When he hits home runs, they are impressive. Just the swing and the launch angle and all of that.
1: Can we count inside the Parkers? Because I probably want Bucks in that. Home run <laughs> no, because I don't want him running
3: the little bases. Gun gun and, no,
1: no. Again, quit trying to introduce injury risk to a, uh <laughs> exhibition. Yeah, I wouldn't be nervous. Actually, you know what? Baseball could use a skills competition and Buxton could win it. We talked about this last year. Oh, yeah. In fact, it was talked about. Yes. Yeah. Because the home run der- derby to a
3: lot of people like me has just become sort of boring. Who was it who brought up and we discussed this on air last it sounds year? sounds like
1: a Jason Starkey an idea. Somebody. To me. Oh, I
3: thought it was a manager. I think a manager. I think it might have been Cora. Somebody brought up the idea of a skills challenge. And and Byron Buck, how much fun. Now, again, I'd be a little bit concerned he'd pull something or something might go wrong. Of course he would. But let's remove that for a second. My paranoia gone for a second. (laughs) How much fun would that be to include, let's say,
1: him? Mookie Betts, probably? Yeah. Mike Trout? I mean... uh, Baez? I'm talking about going, like, you take a coach, a manager, whatever... It's a fungo into the left center field gap and watch Buxton go pick it up on his backhand, throw it to home plate and just break a little teacup saucer there at home plate from 400 feet away. It's not a bad idea. It would be. It would fun. be fun to watch. It'd be compelling.
2: And Something it, to show off his ability to throw somebody out from center field or left center. Well, field Well, you know what baseball? Be great.
3: What baseball does a terrible job of, and what this would rectify a little bit. Baseball does a terrible job of showcasing its athletes. Like, power's not okay.
1: The difference between a 460-foot home run and 450 is it, there's no difference in a baseball but game. But
3: if you think of um, the plays that Trout can make, or Byron Buxton can make, or Kiermaier can make, incredibly athletic plays, aside, aside from unless they crash into a fence, and ESPN shows that,
2: how often do we have a good grasp
3: on the athletic ability of some of these guys?
2: Especially when you consider, you know, Mike Trout is a guy, he's... One of the biggest names in the sport, obviously the best player in the game, but how many times do you turn on an Angels game when you when you are able to stay up late enough to turn on <laughs> yeah, an Angels right. game and actually see Mike Trout on TV? Yeah, it's only when the balls hit to him in the outfield or if he's at the plate, and that's six or seven times in a three hour baseball, or three yeah. three and a half we hour, got a baseball three and game. a
1: half hour broadcast window, and he's probably on the screen for. Uh, 15 minutes or something like that.
2: But if you create a skills competition where the entire, everybody's eyes are on him for an entire event. Absolutely. That that, that could help a
1: lot. Buxton would beat Trout in a skills competition. I'd love to see it. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be great fun to see Trout's a better player. I'll never argue the counter, but what Mike Trout has is offensive game. And if you're talking about tools, that's two of them hit for average hit for power, Buxton can do it all with the glove, the speed, and the arm, too. When the
3: All Star game was here, and Trout, I think, let off that game yes, for, for the American League with a triple. Mm-hmm. And I was watching him run. The same thing struck me that has uh, subsequently struck me about Buxton the man runs like a deer. Yeah. Like those strides are beautiful. Like baseball players just choppy, choppy, choppy. Those two guys run like gifted athletes.
1: It's, it's really it's elegant, it's powerful. Is going to steal a double or a triple in the Comerica gap? over the weekend absolutely I, I as i wrote on the column that he just like photocopied a page from randy moss's book yeah. which is just you saw moss it is the oh i gotta be going faster okay graceful acceleration and i'm off absolutely. i'm at top speed in the blink of an eye
3: Let's take a break come back score north twin show carries on after this
0: yours let's bat around some banter ah,
2: twins. twins
0: twins the score north twin show on score north and
2: ScoreNorth.com. driven to right center field it's hit a long way to the gap and that ball is gone so no with a monster shot to the right center field gap and it's four to one
3: all right, Dick Bramer, Fox Sports North. Uh, yesterday, as the uh, Twins beat the Tigers, take two of three from Detroit. They lost on Saturday. Let's talk about, gentlemen, the guy who wasn't there. Rami's favorite, La Tortuga. The last uh, deal started on Friday night, struggled again. And he has not been, you know, full disclosure here, yeah. if, if you're not paying attention. has certainly not been great at the plate, uh, but he was sent down after the game he has subsequently, uh, he did not He did not dilly-dally and come home and pack his stuff and pout. You knew he wouldn't. He went straight to Pawtucket and played uh, Saturday and Sunday for the Red Wings against Pawtucket and I think had something like six hits in eight at-bats. Is, is that correct? It was. He homered, I think, on Saturday. He's been fantastic. Uh, let me ask you guys this, though. Ordinarily, a guy like this gets sent down and you're like, oh, that's his fan favorite. You know, people like him. It's too bad. But I really do believe in my heart of hearts that, that, that with a team like this, chemistry becomes an important component. And I do believe that Ostadio has an importance to that team that goes beyond results statistically to a certain point. Do you agree with that? And how important do you think he is to the clubhouse dynamic there where everyone can give him trouble and he's got that great look where he looks like he's mad, but he's not. Hmm. And he can play, I mean, what? The guy can play catcher. He can play third base, left field, right field. First base, what do you think his ultimate importance and, and just to be clear, not trying to say that, that if he goes away or has gone away, that they are not going to win the American League Central, but I do think he carries more importance than than just a versatile guy who's nice to have around.
1: Yes. And I think there's a real thing to saying that some players value supersedes their stats. Mm-hmm. Like his value exceeds his stats for two reasons. One is what you just mentioned. If I can liken it to two years ago when the Twins made a fun run, he's Eduardo Escobar. Everybody loves him. Good player, can play around, has some skill. So it's not just an empty smile. It's production, right? And everybody kind of vibes with that. But secondly, his value is in, you can give a guy a day off at third base, first base, I mean, he's DH'd a handful of times. Catcher when you need him, although you've got two should-be all-stars at that position. He's even played some corner outfield, and he's probably overmatched there. But that's a lot of versatility for one guy and a willingness to go do that. If you ask that guy to play shortstop, he'd smile, run out there and say, sounds great. He wouldn't let you think twice about it. So... That's commendable, admirable, and that's a reason that he is as popular as he is um, externally and in that clubhouse. But at the same time, I do think that there is a limit to what you're talking about, which is that the value in the clubhouse, the chemistry, the vibe, and all that stuff allows you to look past the results on the field. I I think you get to a certain spot where if the results aren't there on the field, clubhouse chemistry can only help you so much. I think that's where they got with Williams-Estadio by the end of it. Do you think he's back soon? I think he's back he's gone for, for ten days now. Correct. I think he's back, unless he gets hurt. Gets heard. I, yeah. I, I think he's back, but I don't think he. I don't think you can say he's back soon. Okay. I, I just I look at it and I say Marwin Gonzalez fills a very important role for this club. <laughs> he's incredible. He is unbelievable. If you didn't have Marwin, yes. I would say Astadio is more important. Yes. But since Sano's back and hitting, and Marwin is here to play third, short, second, first left field, right field, DH, bat boy. Whatever you need, Marwin Gonzalez is there to do it. I don't know that the marginal value of having another do-everything guy is is that beneficial to the Twins. And when you're hitting a buck 90 in your second trip, that's what that's what is hitting and I just unless he gets back with the bat, I don't see him back here in short order. Cuz cuz what position is he going to play? You don't, you don't need need him with a capital but N if, if right now. But if he
3: goes down uh, to Rochester now and, let's say, mashes for a week and a half, That's two great. weeks. That be, <laughs> That's great. That helps Rochester. It's got to be tempting, though. I don't think I just, so. See, see, and I don't know. I, I, I might put too much into this, but I do believe that it factors are, are important. Because it factors. There's a lot of people in sports that want to proclaim themselves to have that factor. I'm the leader of this clubhouse. You'll listen to me. No, we won't That's shut up works, but Nelson Cruz walks in that clubhouse and, and he does not need to say that. No guys are just like, it's Nelson Cruz. Right. But it factor, I don't think is just um, confined to I'm the captain. I think it also is roles and baseball season is so long and so grueling mentally and grinding. And a guy like ostadia who has this just, odd factor that i can't describe but he's he's beloved he'll do anything he's not great but often effective enough that's where i that's where i struggle with his importance here because i don't think it's a zero if that makes sense and and just circle back on what i said before i also don't want to imply that the twins are going to cost themselves a chance to win the world series if they don't have him But it's an interesting discussion to me about how much his presence helps guys out. Yeah, no, definitely. During the course of a long year, where you see the same guys day after day, and there's no way that that big a group of people can actually all say
1: "I love us all." I love this guy. Yeah, yeah, they'll say
3: that, but there's only so there's there's only a few guys who I think can be called beloved in any given clubhouse.
1: Yeah, and it's the Ed Escobar factor. Yeah, no, you're right, and I here's where it just i i think we're speaking on basically the same side of this coin um if somebody gets hurt and marwin is pressed to starting duty a different conversation as the deal as value he's backing up multiple positions he's a better hitter than adrianza potentially there's there's some value there's some some marginal value in that. It's when you have Marwin as the sort of as I I've called him the super sub. I know Rocco hates that. Rocco Baldelli would prefer you called him an everyday player with positional flexibility, but I think that's a mouthful and this is radio, so he's a super sub. And when he has that role and everyone else has their starting role, yeah, you just you you, you don't need that do everything guy in the background. And to your point on clubhouse chemistry. Mm-hmm. Boy, this is just my read. It's kind of an outsider's read. I've been in that clubhouse a little bit, but certainly not enough to pretend I know these guys. My read on this team is that even if you're not best friends with everybody there, you are pulling for everybody there. Legitimately care about this guy succeeding in his spot.
3: I'd say that that's correct.
1: And it doesn't take one guy then in a situation like that to elevate it over the top. I can't tell you, you guys...
3: Enough though. If if you are if you went through and uh, charted the differences between the eighteen and nineteen twins and went through, okay, pitching Which here. time you got? No, but but <laughs> I can't tell you how big a factor the clubhouse is. Man, That's that clubhouse last year, I I had I had a person who is closely associated with this team, who's around who is around that cl- that clubhouse a lot. Tell me, last year, it's just awful. Like it's not good, it's just not good. And this year, and this is Gonzalez. I'm sure this is uh, Scope for sure. Cruz. Yeah. They th- there is a there is an accountability slash professionalism factor that last year you didn't feel one bit.
2: Marwin Gonzalez to me to sort of play off your comparison to the Warriors with this team, Judd. He is Andre Iguodala. Yes,
1: yes, he's That's a good one.
2: He's not a star, right? But even though Iggy's been an all-star in the past, but he's not a star. But he's that he can do a little bit of everything for you. He's a glue guy. He's a good locker room guy, and he's always there and very reliable to do whatever, basically whatever you need him to. Do. That's absolutely perfect. It's Andre Iguodala. He's accountable. He yep. answers questions. Uh, and, and and the biggest compliment
3: I can pay him is he has yet to consistently hit and it doesn't matter. Yep. If he hits 245 his his level of uh professionalism that he brings to that clubhouse sure and the ability to play well. different positions and and I think it's very important too the respect that players have for him mm-hmm. is incredibly important.
2: So Aguidala, man.
1: he yep, is, good one. he's stinging the ball lately and it helps when you're talking clubhouse cred, it helps to have hit a world series home run off Kenley Jansen. There, there you go. Now you don't need to say anything for the rest of your career. You hit a home run in the world series off Kenley Jansen when Kenley Jansen was at his height. So Nelson Cruz has a bit of that factor. You mentioned scope, but you know who else? Uh, if Marwin Gonzalez is there, Iggy, I mean, Rocco Baldelli's there, Steve Kerr, right? He's... Yeah, he's, he's, yes. As a big Paul Molitor guy, and I recognize probably had limitations, but Paul Molitor gets backwards shade way, way more than he deserves. For the way this season has gone in his first year not being here, he is, it's almost hard to compliment Rocco without sounding like you're backhandedly insulting the Hall of Famer, Paul Molitor, and I'm not doing that here at all. But I will say, if however, you're trying to connect... yeah That's exactly right. I, Paul Maladar. I, I listen to this this station regularly enough when we were in the transition. I know yep. how to make those. There is a... There is a connection factor there that I can't quite put my finger on. It's it's an intangible thing. But Rocco Baldelli, Mark Tompkin of the Tampa Bay Times, who covered Rocco, the rock star from basically the day he was drafted in Tampa, and he told us, it was last week or the week before, that one of the unique characteristics of Rocco Baldelli is his ability to connect with everybody, not just connect really well with certain somebodies. He has a way, in in Mark Tompkins' words, I thought this was phrased beautifully, of connecting with anyone in the room and making you feel while you're talking like you're the most important person in that room. And that's something that I don't know how he does that. Like, it's just this talent that I don't have that I can't even begin to process, really. But for him to do that, and I can't even imagine what the one-on-ones were like in spring training. When Rocco sat down with these guys, I was like, do you have any questions about your role? Here's name, what we think you are. You
3: name me. You name me one uh, uh, quote. Even the best ones. Old school baseball guy, who has the ability to do what what Rocco and the new breed do. I can't.
1: Do you mean like in the?
3: I in mean the, Paul was. Paul's a baseball guy. Yep. Rocco. We we now understand if if the day that Paul was fired last year, you said to yourself, "This isn't really Paul's fault," which you could certainly say. We now understand why uh, Derek and Thad were so anxious to make this change. Get their own guy. because, yeah, but, but, but you can see it now. Right. It, this is not like this nebulous, what's the difference between Paul and Rocco? You can see it. But Rocco is wired and has an ability to communicate where you're right. It's way more Steve Kerr. And how many old school baseball people are Steve Kerr like? Right was just not. No,
1: I, not Jim, many, Jim Leland wasn't throwing his arm around no. you and saying, "You know, are you upset about something?
2: Let's talk." And if it he out. did,
3: and if he did, it was accompanied by eighteen f bombs. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. but it's just it's a, a it's Jim a philosophical a of view, <laughs> Jim yes. Leland was going up to
2: Barry Bonds in spring training in '92 and saying, "If you don't." You know, if you don't bleep and like the way it is right now, you can bleep and go home. I'm the manager <laughs> of this bleeping. And Barry Bonds just
3: like bleep you, and they yeah. went back and forth. And and you know
1: what? In '92 or whatever, that was fantastic. That was probably yeah. the way it was more so now, than now. Where I remember Thad Levine talking about they were gonna look for someone who could connect with today's player. And right. it doesn't take. It's not very much reading between the lines on my part to hear a guy like Thad Levine in his 40s, I believe. Say, He's my gym. we need someone to connect with millennials. We need to motivate the millennials. And, he, and he, it's not like he was saying it disparagingly, but as a millennial, sometimes when I hear that, I think automatically it's disparaging. But I think there is something very real to Rocco's ability to connect with, yes, Nelson Cruz, but also Jason Castro. Yes, Mitch Garver, but also Jorge Polanco. Byron Buxton, you know, go all the way down the list from from Jaco to Rizzy to Miguel Sano and just everybody in between. Yep. However you view baseball, uh, whatever your background is in baseball or otherwise, Rocco's ability to make you believe that you're on the same side of things has really kind of impressed upon me this season.
3: Rocco doesn't tell us much, but the word that, That's I, would, intentional. that I would use, but the word that I would use for him in addressing everybody, including us, Is or the perception thoughtful? Thoughtful. He comes off as incredibly thoughtful, and 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 Paul would tell us way more. But as far as the day to day dealings with young men, Rocco in 2019 is the ideal guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a feeler. I would say it
3: does not hurt. It does not hurt that that he had a very good career come to a sad end. Sure, that allows him to be that thoughtful.
1: I would say Molitor was incredibly thoughtful and. Just smart, like cerebral oh, yes. to the ex- nth degree. And would explain things. If you asked him a game question. I learned so much about yes. baseball from Paul Molitor.
3: Yes, but Rocco has everything he does to me is is thoughtful, including not telling us much, because that's not really his job.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't help him, yeah.
3: So, but it just, it now makes sense why the Twins brass
1: felt the need to make that change because they wanted their guy and he gives them their guy. Again, it always sounds like a backhanded insult, but it is striking to me that I can't detect anyways through, and we're June 10th, whatever been covering this guy since spring training began that I have not sensed one ounce of ego from Rocco Baldelli. And that's something that's hard to a no in my position versus relative to his, but b. It's hard to suss out how much that would help lift a team, but it it does seem that that character trait sort of spreads to the entire locker room. There's not a me guy that I can tell anyways in that clubhouse right now. They're all playing it up anyways as if they're all about the team. That's, that's a really powerful concept. Score
3: North Twin Show. We wrap it up after this. Score
1: North Twin Show. Have you guys ever wondered what it's like to be a twin? On Score North and scorenorth.com.
2: Drive to right field and Rosario cranks one out. Wow. Another home run for the Twins. Number 19 for Rosario. I hit him Bomba.
3: Yes, he did. Score North Twin Show final segment. Zolgad, Wetmore, Manny Hill, and now joining us,
1: Matthew Collar. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. What is up, friends? We're just playing back Bomba montages basically all day and laughing to ourselves.
0: Yesterday. In the very first inning, after maybe four or five pitches, I was like, this is over. This pitcher, (laughs) can't—he can't clear ninety-one. he can't clear 91. He can't (laughs) throw his curve for a strike. I don't see a discernible third pitch. And every time they face a guy like that, especially a left-hander, it's just over. Like, well, we know who's going to hit a home run in this game. I did actually, even though you guys know my criticism for Miguel Sano, in the first inning, I told my wife as we were watching the game, This will be one where I get some tweets today. Because because every lefty who throws 89 miles an hour, his bat speed is just too quick to miss that many times. Yeah. Well,
1: this Twins team, did you hear the stat from earlier? You weren't in our Twins meeting, so I can share this with you. And it might be your first time. Unless you have the uh, Score North mobile app and you are reading five thoughts on your way in here. I do to have the, the app. Show. Yes. Yeah, okay. he was
3: driving in and reading it. <laughs> Who cares about the car in front of him?
1: <laughs> Pull over to the side. It's safer if you're reading five thoughts. But the Twins as a lineup after yesterday's Slugfest. So they win 12 to 2. They're what? Like 43 and 21. I've stopped counting. They have a 10 and a half game lead in the American League Central. It's over. Their offense is historically great, and I don't think that we fully appreciate that yet. So I was trying to put that into some context. After yesterday's slugfest, they are slugging, as a team, 515, a 515 slugging percentage. For his career, Harmon Killebrew slugged
0: 509. (laughs) If only Harmon Killebrew had these baseballs, right? They picked, right. The, they picked <laughs> you, the right you year. He would hit 750. They really picked the right year to have these baseballs because they have a bunch of people who are good contact hitters, and Andy Rosario is a good contact hitter.
1: With enough power to scrape a fence and then a juicy baseball, it's a second-decker. Right?
3: This is year two of this baseball, correct? Two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because I, I think AAA now got these baseballs, it's and, year one them for that. and so the stats
0: yep. down there are absolutely nuts. Yep. And at least for the twins, because they don't strike out a lot. They make a lot of contact. Uh, Max Kepler makes a lot of contact and then all of a sudden his home runs are going up. It's, they really just had the timing come together perfectly well. Something I was thinking about though, with this team and all the crazy numbers they're picking up. I heard you and Rami talking about, um, setting the record for most home runs before the all-star break. And we're not even close to the all-star break. Well, they haven't right? yet, but they've got or, a pretty good or, shot. Or they're
1: going to, they're tied right, right now with oh, the they're, 1964 they're okay. twins for 125. Uh, I think
0: unless they switch to a bunting only strategy <laughs> that probably happened. Although Christian Guzman, uh, unless he comes back, maybe it turns abundant to a home run. But uh, you know, what I kept thinking about is how everything is converged with their luck this year. Also that last year we could count up a, a dozen different things that went the wrong way starting with behind the plate, how Castro got hurt. And then it was kind of a tumbling effect from there. What was it? Bobby Wilson was playing most of the time behind the plate last year. Chris Jimenez. And then at shortstop, you're missing your star shortstop for half of the year. Last season, you have pitchers get hurt. Santana goes out and never comes back. and, And on and on and on. And this year... I don't mean to be Jinxie McJinxerson, but it has been remarkable how this team has had basically nothing go wrong for it. I mean, Sano was out for a little bit, and Cruz is out for a little bit, Garver's out for a little bit, but not long. And they come back, and they're still hitting bombs right when they come back. They
3: went 15-4 and without Nelson Cruz, who has now come back and homered in four consecutive games.
1: They went 13-3 and without future All-Star Mitch Garver and... The bad news, and I use air quotes for that, the bad news is he's he got a high ankle sprain and Judd and I were talking about, well, is he coming back this year? And he missed sixteen games. Yeah. Yeah. Even their bad news comes with a healthy dose of positivity this so, year. So
0: so here's my question though, because these things never last forever. Okay, so jinxy mick jinxes. I'm not trying to be the 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 jinx here, but things will go wrong <laughs> trying really hard. throughout the summer. And I just What I really want to see is how they respond when they do. Because so far, Nixon cuts to Nelson Cruz and Mitch Garver. That's not a significant injury. And especially where it's really come is the pitchers. We haven't even had so much as a blister on anybody's finger so far. I mean, Pineda, uh, IL, apostrophe, or whatever it's called, the... um, Brackets, fat. Like, that's like he was out for, what, two, three starts was, for just being That overweight. was some,
3: some rest for bad right. knees. Yeah, yeah exactly. Knee. Yep.
0: But aside from that, and then they call up a guy, and he's pretty decent for a game or two. But if a starter goes down for a significant amount of time, sure. if any— I mean, they're already hanging on a thread with the bullpen. So we were talking about Craig Kimbrell so much for last week, and I'm watching Madison Bumgardner pitch yesterday and thinking— Okay, so when something does go wrong, inevitably, because it is sports and it's a really long summer in baseball, how are they going to respond? Is that what forces them to pull the trigger or do we just sit and wait through it and try to fight past it because they've got such a big lead? How are they going to handle
1: it? I saw your tweet. Yesterday, I believe. So you're in on Bumgarner?
0: Oh, I said that I would yell at hitters with him if he comes to the Twins. <laughs> Ye- yelling is not a problem. I love that.
1: Yeah, you both love that. I don't mind it. Uh, don't
3: throw at the guy's head, but if you want to, uh, uh, you, you know, yell, get around the bleeping bases, oh, I love that. Yeah. That plays in October
0: big time. We could make it a thing for Twins fans that every home run go- Bumgarner <laughs> Just Garner follow heads. the guy around. Yeah, everyone. Get right. your Butter around the bases. Move it! Don't Run! watch it. I don't even get. Do you know? But he, that guy barely did anything, and he was screaming oh, at Oh, Come it. Was, on, but I'm you fine. guys! I'm not I'm joking fine with it. Do you know? Do you know in October how well that plays? Teammates come love on. that stuff. Do it. Get around the bases. Come yo. Come on. But my thing is pitch seven innings with that being the only run you give up you can yell at whoever you want absolutely you can yell at their whole team i don't care in all honesty i don't care about this whole unwritten rule debate anymore i'm just done talking about it like uh, it's just yeah, been we'll a whole life don't so don't throw at him so if he yeah don't throw, don't throw, at, throw at him because then you're going to get suspended don't yeah, do that's that done. that's stupid but if you want to get upset with every person you give up a home run to and yell at him like a psycho like that i'm and they that. can celebrate stuff go, go ahead this yeah. is
3: my hockey background boys My hockey background says I love the guy going around first base. You get your butter
2: on those bases. I thought that whole sequence was outstanding by both the guys. I thought Bumgarner getting mad about it and talking trash to him. And I thought that was great. I thought Max his comment was fantastic. And what did he say? I I,
1: I saw what Bumgarner said
2: after the game, but I I I didn't see what Muncy
1: said.
3: Oh, he said he can go into the ocean and dig the ball. It didn't really make
2: sense. because. Baumgartner said something like, don't, don't watch the ball, just run. And Muncie said, Hey, if you don't want me hitting this home run, you know, you can go, go in the ocean and get it yourself or something. Go get the ball yourself oh, or something. No. Like that. But no.
0: what, what, I, what I've always liked great. about Bumgardner is that he's just a great competitor. And yeah, every, he's fierce. every great competitor, you could break down the stuff that they do and go, That doesn't make any sense or what's your problem? Man? Yeah, kind of psycho. You know, Adam Wainwright, one time, I remember a guy hit a pop-up in the infield and he kind of stood there and then he like threw his bat down. He was mad that he hit a pop-up because he felt like he missed the fastball in the middle. And Wainwright went crazy and started screaming at him. And it was like, okay, I mean, anybody's going to be upset to pop up, but Wainwright had been having a tough game or it was a close game or something. And he just didn't want to hear it from the guy. Like I made a good pitch. You didn't miss a fastball down the middle. Bleep you. I I don't care about uh, whether you like the guy for yelling at bad flippers or not. I, I want him to pitch here because he's great in October. Okay. And I think he's still a really, really good oh, pitcher. Oh, I love the com- the okay. competitive edge, yeah. And I like that a lot. All
3: right, Score North Twin Show is done. Uh, Purple Daily with Collar comes up next right here on the new Score North.